0: Well, good morning. We welcome everyone. We welcome our guests. We're glad you could be with us. As Brother Jim said in our announcements, this is a special day for us. We believe every Sunday is the best day of the week, and if there's such a thing as the best of the best, this is one of the best of the best. This morning we're going to uh, install three men, Nathan Soliday, Shannon Schaefer, and Jason Harden, as shepherds of this congregation. Not only are they willing, but they manifest the qualities of godliness And what the Bible teaches, and this is just going to be a blessed day for us. One of my granddaughters used to say when she was little, this is the best day ever. And I don't know if we can always qualify every day being like that, but I think in a lot of ways, that's what this is. And so we are thankful you get to witness this. We're thankful that you were a part of this. We're thankful that we have men like this who are going to help us. Get to heaven. That's what this is all about. This is indeed a great day. We're thankful for that. But before that, we need to look at some things from God's word. As Jim said, uh, we have not done this a lot in the history. When I moved here 15 years ago, 15 years. If I was a piece of bread, I'd be kind of stale by now, wouldn't I? 15 years ago, we had three elders in this congregation. In 2011, we appointed three in 2019 we appointed one in 2021 we appointed two more but through different reasons health reasons and some moving away we are now going to appoint three more today and that's just a wonderful wonderful thing as we do that but before we do that i want to do some preaching so if you've got your bible turn with me to the book of first kings chapter 22 first kings chapter 22 is a great little story that will lead into what we're going to be doing here in just a moment and that's appointing these three men as an elder imagine a man who faced incredible pressure his job was at stake those in charge did not like him in fact they even said we hate you they tried to exclude him and not include him in things and those in charge wanted him to always agree with whatever they did now This story, coming from 1 Kings 22, oftentimes is the image a lot of you face at work. It's not the load of the work that's so difficult. It's dealing with hierarchy, a management system that doesn't appreciate you, that wants you to agree with everything they're doing, even if it's wrong. Corporate America loves to dance with the devil. And sometimes that image is what we find in the home when mom or dad or both of them are not walking with Jesus. Every Sunday morning it's a battle. Do we go to church or do we not go to church? And it's those issues that cause us a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulty. So in the book of 1 Kings chapter 22, we read about two kings. The first king is Ahab. He's the king of Israel. He's wicked. He's evil, he's corrupt, he's pagan. As people would say, he's bad to the bone, but he's supposed to belong to the people of God. Just a few pages before is when we have Elijah and the prophets of Baal having this big confrontation about who is God. Those prophets of Baal belonged to Ahab. Ahab and his wife Jezebel. There's not a more wicked couple you find in the Bible. The king of Judah was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, for some reason, had married Ahab's daughter. And most times, Israel and Judah, being separate nations, didn't have much in common. But on this occasion, they want to join an alliance. They want to go together and fight Syria. And Syria is a nation just north of them, and they want to know if we can go and fight them together. And so, the first thing they do is we need to ask God's permission we need to see if God is behind this. So Ahab has 400 prophets. And his prophets will say yes to anything Ahab says. For instance, in our chapter, notice verse 6. In chapter 22 and in verse 6, the Bible here says, regard to this, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to reign with Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up. For the Lord will give it into your hand, the hand of the king. Again in verse 12, all the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will give it to the hand of the king. Whatever you want, O king, God has to be behind it. We are saying yes to anything you say. But Jehoshaphat wasn't settled. He wants to hear from the prophet of God. He doesn't care about these 400 pagan prophets that Ahab has surrounded himself with, what does God really say? And so he searches for a prophet, a prophet who will really speak God's Word. And we are introduced to a prophet that's really kind of unknown to us. He wrote no books of the Bible. He's only found in this chapter and in the account of Chronicles, which mirrors this. But his name is Micaiah, and Micaiah is called forth. And Micaiah is sought to see what does the Lord say about these things. We notice in our context in verse 8, Ahab says, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And then in verse 13, as Micaiah is sought out, It says, Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. You want to talk about pressure. We want your opinion about this. We want to know what your God say about this. But you better speak favorably because everyone else is lining up. And so let's begin now in verse 13 and read down to Verse 18. Because in the midst of this, we found a great statement about this prophet. Verse 13 says, Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your words be like one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. That's our statement we want to focus on today. What God says is what I say. If God says go, I say go. If God says bad news, I say bad news. I say what God says. And then verse 15, when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? He answered, said, go up and succeed. and And go up and succeed. The Lord will give it to your hands of the king. Now, I think he's kind of mocking the king there. Because in the very next verse, then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep that have no shepherd, and the Lord says they have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. You know what he just said? You're gonna die, Ahab. Israel is not gonna have a leader. You're gonna fall. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And as the chapter unfolds, what happens? They go to battle. And what happens is Ahab disguises himself. They won't recognize me. I look like a common soldier. He is killed, and Israel goes to all pieces. But in verse 24, after Micaiah says this, he's slapped on the face. And then in verse 27, he's put in prison. With just enough bread and water to keep them alive. And this morning what I want to do as we get ready to install new shepherds here is to focus upon this statement. What the Lord says to me that I will speak. What a great statement that is. I would love to see that stenciled on our walls somewhere. That ought to be on our letterhead. This is what we stand for. We stand with God. If God says go, we're going to go. If God says stop, we're going to stop. What God calls wrong, guess what? We're going to call wrong. What God says is good, guess what? We're going to call what's good. And God speaks to us through the Bible. And we need to appreciate that. There's a lot of folks today who have left this point. They believe God's telling them things. Well, what God told me last night in a dream. No, he did not. God speaks through the Bible. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. You can run through that Old Testament. He talked directly to Adam. He talked through dreams to Joseph. Uh, when we think about Ezekiel, he had visions. A lot of ways God spoke. In these last days... He speaks to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. In Acts 17, when the disciples were hearing things, is this right or is this not right? They looked in their Bible. We need to follow the Bible. Whatever the Lord says, that's what we're going to do. How do we know what he says? It's laid out in the Word of God. It is the Bible. Secondly, God speaks consistently. God speaks consistently. Book of 1 Corinthians, as he talks about spiritual gifts, God's not an author of confusion, but of peace. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter says, opening his mouth, Peter says, I most certainly understand God is not one to show partiality. So God's not going to tell you something he doesn't tell me. He's not going to tell you, you have to do this to go to heaven, but I don't have to do that to go to heaven. He doesn't tell something to Americans that he doesn't tell to Africans. He doesn't tell people in the first century to something that the people in this century have to do. God speaks consistently. Now, later this week, I'm going to be writing about this little fever that's going on in Ash, uh, that little college in Kentucky. A lot of people are considering that and comparing that to Cane Ridge Revival in the 1800s. What's missing? I've watched a lot of videos. And some people say, well, Roger, you didn't go there. You don't know. I've watched video after video after video about that, what's going on there. A lot of singing. A lot of dancing. A lot of hand-waving. What I'm not seeing is the Word of God being preached. I'm not seeing the Bible. Now, you can get all kinds of excitement and, and, and if you've ever been to a high school pep rally, I've been to them. You walk in, and you just finished chemistry class, and your head's just buzzing. You don't want to be there. And all of a sudden, the band starts playing. The instruments are going. Everyone's jumping up and down. The cheerleaders are cheering. And pretty soon, you're excited. I don't know why, but I'm excited. That's what's going on. What's missing is the Bible. And what we're seeing here is what the Lord says. How do I know what the Lord says? you got to open your Bible. And so in our times today, culture wants to change the message. Rather than changing ourselves, let's change the message. Let's say wrong is right. Let's say sometimes a little sin is fun. Let's say you can do these things. Itching ears always has a different message. When Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 about brethren, brethren, us having itching ears. We want to hear messages that make us feel good. We want messages that make us laugh. We want messages that are happy. And he warned them about that. And then a worldly heart looks for a worldly message. It always does. And so from this, we need to see how important it is to respect the truth. And you respect the truth by believing it. As God says, so we shall speak. We respect the message, and we respect the source of the message by obeying it. If God said it, then that's what we're going to do. And then we respect the responsibility of the message or the truth by pursuing it. This is what we should do. What is right to what is is popular? What is right? To our want, what is right to what is hard and difficult, what is right to what may be safe and easy. We speak as God speaks. Now it's that kind of spirit that we find in the New Testament. And when we come to the book of Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul would talk about our ambition, our motive, our goal would be to please the Lord. He would say in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, and he died for all so that that they might not longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. We don't live for ourselves, but for him. And in the ninth verse of this chapter, he says, therefore we also have as our ambition, the NIV says, as our goal. The ESV says, as our aim, goal, aim, ambition. That's what drives people. That's what sports teams have. In the locker room, sometimes they'll have little sayings on the wall to kind of fire them up. Our goal, our aim is to win. Our goal, our aim is to make the playoffs, is to get the championship. That's their goal, that's their aim. A student has a goal or an aim. Why are you taking biology? Because I want this degree. And to get this degree, this is my goal, my aim. I have to go through that course. But the guy who lacks ambition, the church that lacks a dream, or vision we simply call lazy they simply drift through life and so our game here, it says our goal our ambition is to please the Lord you see on your note card there and inside your bulletin Peter Forseth he says the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom but to find its maker and when we lose sight of this when God no more is our number one ambition why are we here Sunday morning just to see my friends, just to see how everyone is dressed. Our goal is to please God. And when we lose that ambition, that goal, it changes our worship. Pretty soon worship becomes about us. And what do you want? What do I want? What makes us happy? What it does, it changes our preaching. Our preaching no more is what does God say, what the Lord says that I will speak. What happens is, what kind of message do you want to hear? Let's just talk about nice things. And then what happens is our outlook on life changes. Instead of being driven toward heaven, it's all about now. It's all about happiness. And so Micaiah, that prophet, was one who never lost sight of who he was or what his ambition was. His ambition was to please the Lord. Colossians chapter three, Paul would say whatever you do in word or speech, do all in the name of the Lord. It's a priority that comes about in our life. And so how do we do this? How do we please the Lord? Number one, you become God-focused. You think about that. As you leave your house Sunday morning, you're thinking about, I'm going to be singing some hymns to Jesus. I'm gathering, and guess who's going to be here? Not just Mike and this person and that person and that person. God is going to be here. I'm going to cleanse my attitude. I'm going to remind my place. My place is not in the forefront. My place is to honor Jesus. How do you please the Lord? You're God-driven. God-driven. That becomes that priority. That priority, even it means to, for you to stand alone like Micaiah had to do. It's a priority even if others are counting on you to go the other direction, as Ahab wanted him to do. It's a priority even if people threaten you. It's a priority if it brings you pain. It's a priority even if it costs you. As 1 Kings 22 ends and Ahab dies, we don't know what happened to that prophet. Did he die in prison? Did he starve to death? Did the next king let him out? God doesn't tell us. But what we do see is this powerful, powerful idea of what the Lord says that we will do. And from this, we need to see that when when we do things God's way, God-directed, that's how we please the Lord. It's got to be God-directed. It's not what we want, it's what God wants. And again, that great statement, he says, As the Lord says... Thus I will speak. And when you have this before you, it becomes evident all around you. Your language is peppered with praise of God. People notice that you're not ashamed of God or his ways. Your attitude is different. What you're after is different. What drives you is different. Your children will notice this. Your family will notice this. Your coworkers will notice this. Your neighbors will notice this. Your enemies will notice this. And the God of heaven will notice this. Here is somebody who doesn't care about the world. Here is somebody who just wants to please God more than anything else. And so Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord said to me, that I will speak. I wish more and more folks did that. Less, well, here's what I think, Brother Shouse. Well, you know, here's what we've always done in the past. Well, I feel we should. Let's speak as the Lord has spoken to us. Let's follow the Bible. Let's stick with the plan of God. And so with that, we're going to talk about these three men and the appointment of shepherds. And so this is, as I said, a great, great day before us. In the book of Titus in chapter 1, if you turn there with me, Titus chapter 1, and in verse 5, Paul told the preacher Titus, for this reason," he says, "For this reason, I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you." Now the appointment's not made without the thought and the consideration of the congregation. The congregations have had four weeks to give consideration to these three men. And so this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to install them as shepherds. And from this day forward They're going to be considered part of the leadership of this congregation. What a blessing it is. What a blessing to have so many shepherds. I was talking to a preacher just this past week and telling him what we're doing this week. He says, is there any way we can buy three? I said, nope. None are for sale. This is not football. We're not trading people. But what an honor it is. And so we begin with Nathan. Nathan, if you'll come forward. Nathan Soliday. Nathan has been part of this congregation for a long, long time. Come on over here, Nathan. I want everybody to see you, okay? Nathan's a good, good friend. Nathan, somebody has a heart of a disciple. We know that he has a special interest in Africa. And on his own, he's done a lot to help the disciples in Africa. Nathan comes from a background of elders. His father once served as an elder. His grandfather once served as an elder. And so he understands this importance of leading God's people the right direction. He has an understanding of God's word like micaiah of old what the lord says that i will speak and so we're going to be blessed and honored to have nathan among us as we as we look forward to these things working together with him he has done a lot in this congregation and a lot of you know him so well because of his background his interest and what he does here and we're so honored to have him with us shannon if you'll come forward just take a seat right up here shannon has been with us for quite a while too shannon once served as a shepherd in another congregation I first met Shannon 25 years ago. When I left Greenwood, Indiana, Shannon followed me. What a mess I left him. What a mess. But Shannon has preached and preached for many, many years. And Shannon understands scriptures. In this congregation, Shannon has taught, he has preached, he has led singing. He's just got himself involved up to his eyeballs doing the work of God. He's had a lot of you in his homes. He has a heart of a disciple. And again, Shannon brings a lot to the table as we think about his working for us and with us. Understanding you, I understand the concept. In my office, I have some great material on elders that Shannon wrote years ago. I still refer to that. Great material because he understands what this day means, he understands what this work is all about. And that's what this is all about. And then Mr. Jason. Mr. Jason, so many things I could say, and I shall. Jason's a dear, dear friend, dear friend, co-worker. Ever since he's been among us, he's just done everything right. He and I have never had a cross word, not one time. Even when I decorated his office like Purdue, he never said a word. I thought for sure he'd say something, but he didn't win about his work. And all those Purdue dangly things were hanging down. But he is, he is just already, we know his work. We know his solid preaching. One of the most phenomenal preachers we have today in this generation He's somebody who leads us in different groups. He's helping the young people. He's just energetic. He does the boy. Bla- There's just so much that Jason brings to the table. And above all is a heart for you and a knowledge of God's word. Again, as a prophet of old, I shall speak as the Lord speaks. And when I think of these three men, I can think of nothing other than those things. So not a thought crossed my mind. Well, you know, we may go down some wiggly roads here, not with these three men at the helm. These three men are going to help us. They're all young, and they're all strong spiritually, strong physically, strong in wanting to do what's right. What a blessing it is to have these three. All of you will stand up. Let's all of you stand up here and face me here. You know, when we have a wedding, and I've done several weddings out here. We, come in front of me here, okay? Come in front of me here, okay? I'm marrying you all, okay? All right? All right? Okay. So when we have a wedding, we make promises. We call those vows. And when the President of the United States gets inaugurated, there's an oath, but it's nothing, nothing more than promises. And so I'm going to read some statements here, and then at the end, I want you all to, if you agree, I'm not going to do like King Ahab, you have to say this, but as we have been through this road talking to you so much, I know what your answers will be. Do you accept the work of Shepherd? An elder here at the Charlestown Road Church as our beloved Apostle wrote to take heed to yourself and the flock of God which the Holy Spirit is making you overseer to be a servant at heart to faithfully stand upon the Word of God and not be blinded by partiality or favoritism to help us to lead us to be an example to us to be a watchman for our souls to be a shepherd that we can trust depend upon And be there for us. I knew you would. I knew you would. Now I think on behalf of the congregation. We have some promises to make to you. As a congregation. We promise to follow you. As you walk with the Lord. We promise to listen to your wisdom. To speak. To seek your advice. And to imitate your godly example. As a church we promise to support you. To trust you. And to defend you. We are thankful and we are blessed. That you serve as shepherds here. To each of you, I have made a bookmark. And this serves two purposes. I want you to keep these in your Bibles. And what it does is it reminds you of this day. We sometimes let time slip by. And we say, well, you know, some time ago I was put in, but we forget that. And on the bottom of these bookmarks, there are some statements. May this remind you that we need you to feed us that we will be strong. Strengthen the sick that are among us heal the diseased bind up the broken bring back the scattered seek the loss faithfully show us the way of the Lord with love and tenderness lead us to heaven then on the back side there's a passage that was spoken to Solomon when he first became king it says be strong therefore and show yourself a man keep charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways to keep his statutes." His commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies, according to what is written in the law, that you may succeed in all that you do wherever you turn. From 1 Kings chapter 2. And if I was adding some more things, I'd put the words Micaiah in there. We will speak only as the Lord speaks. At this time, let's have a word of prayer, if we will. Our Holy Father, we're thankful that these three men have had such a love and desire to serve you, Father. We're thankful that they have stood upon the shoulders of others who brought them here. We're thankful for their family. We're thankful for others who have taught them and led them and guided them. And now they have done that to us for so long, Father. We're thankful now they take upon this important role of being shepherds of this congregation. What an asset they'll add to our current shepherds, Father. We're thankful for their love. We're thankful for all the things that you have done for them. We pray that we'll continue to be unified. We pray that we'll continue to work together as a team. We pray that each of us, each of us, will have within our heart the ambition only to please you, Father. What a wonderful, wonderful day this is, Father. We are blessed. And for you, Father, we are thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Well, as we wrap this up this morning, you know, we need to see the value of what great things these are all across this country a lot of churches struggling today And one of the major reasons where they're struggling is a lack of leadership and i hope some of you younger men out there who got to witness this today will be thinking what about me maybe i'm not there today but maybe in two years five years as my family grows May I volunteer to teach Bible classes. May I sit down with some of these men to learn God's word so I can can have this understanding. May I be one like Micaiah, Lord, as you speak, that's what I speak. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to see what this is all about. Church is not about having good times, although I think it is. Church is not just about fun, although I think it is. Church is about honoring Jesus Christ. It's about putting the Lord first. And we need to do things God's way. And if I'm not walking with Jesus, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And we've seen over and over throughout Scripture, Jason has preached this a zillion times, I've preached it a zillion and one times, that you need to give your heart to the Lord. You need to be baptized for remission of your sins. Jesus told that. He told his apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, solve political corruption. Save the planet. Tell people how to invest. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the message. As the Lord speaks, so I shall speak. And as I look in my life, I realize, have I done that? Am I doing that? Where am I with Jesus Christ? When this world is over, God's not going to pull a bus up and say, okay, Charlestown Road folks, it's your time. Everybody get on the bus. We're all going to heaven. No. We won't even go as families. I'd love to just go with my wife. She's so much smarter than I am. She's better than I am. But it won't be that way. It'll be Roger. Roger by yourself, the Lord has to talk to you. And that sounds scary, and it is scary. And you think in your life there's been times I've said things I probably shouldn't have said. There's been times I had a sour attitude, I know. There's times I just did wrong when I should've done right. But the saving grace of Jesus makes all the difference. And how do you get that grace? You've got to come to Christ. You've got to be baptized. and From that, you need to be part of a local congregation. You need to be part of God's family. And as these three men today have so ably shown us, not just today, this is not the starting point. They have been busy. They've been busy, busy, busy. And that's why this is such an obvious, easy thing. The one thing somebody has asked me is why haven't they already been elders? I mean, they, they have shown their dedication for a long, long time what about me i met a guy years ago who went from maine to california hitchhiking now you won't do that today because probably you'll die you know it's just times are different today but you know what the hitchhiker does as long as you're going the direction i want to go i'll go for a ride you have to drive has to be your car you pay for the gas and when you've gone as far as i want to go i'm going to get out I'm going to add nothing. I'm just along for a free ride. Today, as I look at these three men, one has to ask himself, have I been hitchhiking in this church? Oh, I show up. But how, how have I helped Jesus? How have I been part of the kingdom? Am I inviting my friends to come? Am I doing what I can to enhance Jesus and his church? When there's things that are needed, do I participate? Or am I just got my thumb out, and hopefully you'll get to heaven, I'll say, that's as far as I want to go, I'm going to get out. See, these three men show a different spirit. They show a spirit of Micaiah. The world says, here's what you're going to say. And he says, no, sorry, king, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say what the Lord says. And so they did. This morning, if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?